Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We are live over on Crowdcast. We're live over on YouTube, or maybe you're listening later on Spotify, Stitcher, the app of your choice, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We appreciate it. And we appreciate it particularly because we are back this week. We were off last week because both of you guys were down in Florida, right? That's right. Anchoring spring break for MTV, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's I'm right. Sure MTV jo- 4, which is where it's not for people to watch. It's just for computers to have. <laughs> yeah, no nice. one watches it. Computer parties. Uh, Pete threatened to meet up with me in Miami, but it didn't happen. <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> yep. So oh, we yeah. just went to the same bar, but set at different ends and quietly drank by ourselves. Oh, that, that tracks with stuff. <laughs> everything I know about you guys. Well, speaking uh, of well, tricks, let me say, uh, I can actually... Oh, yeah. I can actually talk about what I was doing. Um, I'm working on this new show. It was just announced. uh, Hey, congrats. Called 101 Places to Party Before You Die. Comes out this summer um, with uh, shooting with Adam Pally and John Gabris, uh, friends of the show. Um, And uh, we travel around and they party and I sit sit there. And then you edit it (laughs) later and then you edit it. And well, is it one of those things? Because I know this happens with cooking shows, right? Like they make a lot of food and then the staff gets to eat whatever's left over. So is this sort of thing where like Adam and Gabrus, they like drink half their drinks and then they leave it there and you get to have whatever's no, whatever no. their backs will is left. No, 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 no you no, say no. that? Yes, that does happen. <laughs> and it will be on camera because they're always like, Justin, Justin, come here. And they're like, Justin, what do you think? And I'm like, St- you have to keep eating or whatever. <laughs> It, no, because, but also it's not like a cooking show. They eat every scrap of food that they order, essentially. Uh, Justin's a line producer, so what he's saying is, "No, Gabrus, this time say I'm hammered." <laughs> what I love about this bit is it's come from being a line producer, which is not your job and incorrect. To but it is Pete, a real job. <laughs> to Pete incorrectly saying what a line producer is. I'm very excited for yeah. whatever the next iteration of this bit is going to be. Yeah. It's gonna. It's going far places. Uh, go really going places. Hundred one places to, to party before this bit dies. And that was, it was. It was a legit thing too. Like it was announced a deadline and everything. So that is very very cool. Exactly. You got down to out. Philly to drink before you die. Come on. <laughs> no, no, that's where uh, you go to die when you're drinking. 
Yeah, exactly. That's the last. <laughs> that's the hundred and first place. All right. <laughs> so we'll see you there. We made it. Yeah. Uh, now, speaking of drinks, we have a couple of things to talk about here at the top of the show before we bring in our great guests this evening. But our curated drink this evening by Brett Macris, a.k.a. Stray Bullet, from the Gotham cocktail book is Flip of a Coin. The Flip of a Coin, oh, get it? Uh, which is based on Two-Face. It's actually very nice. It's whiskey, contro, lemon juice, an egg, some sugar, and then some nutmeg for garnish, though I actually used a pumpkin pie spice on mine. Wow, you maniac. Uh, <laughs> you truly are the evil face of Two-Face. Yeah, That's it's right. very good, though. I'm usually a little hesitant about, like, egg-based stuff, but that Two-Face, right? he knows sense. what he's doing. Like huh. I'm yeah. drinking a beer the size of my head. Uh, oh, that's what you're doing. It's just a double IPA as well. Which oh, is double the head. Good for my brain, for my actual brain. Yeah. And Pete, what are you drinking? Uh, Granny's peach tea again? That's right. Adam <laughs> Marks. <laughs> okay. All right. Pete has moved on to the next thing that we need to do now. Yeah. It is the middle of the month. Usually we do this at the beginning of the month, but because we were separated, we didn't get to do it earlier. There's a ton of people who support us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash comic book club. And we appreciate everybody's support, but everybody at the $5 and up level gets a special thank you right at some point. I was going to say beginning of the month, but at this point, it's at some point during the month because we're halfway through. But that's fine. Think of this as a late (laughs) Valentine's Day. Yeah, it's a late Valentine's Day. Exactly. There we go. And we want to give a special thank you to Aaron C. Hollis. Adam Marks. Adriel Moreland. Elena Fontenot. <laughs> Amanda Harris. <laughs> Amy Gonzalez. <laughs> there was a point where I was like, oh, who goes next? Oh, no, it's me. <laughs> Andrew Prebo. Andrew Tillman. Beercat PhD. Benjamin Brown. Carly W. Chris Leatherman. Christina Jaramillo. Chris Terrorizzi. Clemens Luer. Curtis LaRock. Demand Ryan. Dan Snow. Daniel Fuentes. Daniel, I love you, Pete Cabrera. Wow. It's how fitting right Daniel Ward. Danny Heck. Debbie Gloom. Dennis Scott. Derek Mainhart. Dylan L. J. Eduardo Martinez. Emmett Quish. Aaron Dorian Aaron! Jeffrey Risher. Gerard de Villiers. Isaac Carter. James Connolly. James Kurtz. Jason Donahue. Jolene. John George. Jonathan Jog. Jonathan McCool. Joshua Gibson. Joshua W. Broxit. Julian Lobato. Catherine Adenson. Casey Newhaven. Kelby. Kevin Grimes. Kevin Clodrock. Kieran Broderick. Cody Thomas. Kyle. Lee Brown. Lawanis Thomas. Lucas Sig. Mark Carrillo. Mark Zeller. Matt Tice. Megan Figpen. Michael Tillman. Mitchell McDonald. Nathaniel Diaz. Nelso Kelso. Nick Grayson. Off-White Savior. Official CBC chef, Brett Macris. Straight bullies. Omyo Soul Art. Oren Dix. Pablo Martinez. Pedro A. Wrangell. Pete's Pretty Kitty. Primetime, Polly G. Rev Mikey. Rob Bliss. 
Robert Petitano. Petitano, excuse me. Sarah Schottenmuller. <laughs> Sarah Schaefer. Scott Carpenter. Scott England. Sherry Rudnick. Stanley. Steve Cook. Tamila Rush. Tyler Bryant. The Big Flood. The Twelve Bench. Thomas Glenn. Victor Perez. Will Buchanan. And Zika's, Zika's Viral, viral, viral comics. comics. There we go. All three of us back in sync again. I love it. And again, thank you all so much who have been supporting us over at comicbookclub.com slash Nessa, right? Patreon.com slash comicbookclub. Uh, we really appreciate it. You guys uh, keep the you. show going. So thank you. Thank you. Now, on to another thing. We have been asking people over the past couple of weeks to leave us requests for reviews in the iTunes comments. Leave us a review there. Five stars if you want. No pressure. Uh, and then leave a little comment and request a graphic novel or an OGN or an individual issue or something. Maybe we reviewed it before. Maybe not. But it's been really fun. The last one that we checked out was The Empowered Omnibus, which I think we all enjoyed quite a bit. We've got a new one here, so I'm going to read it off here. This is Indie 77. I'm so impressed and happy that you guys have maintained such enthusiasm for comics as long as you guys have. Longtime fan of the show. I would Aww. love to hear your thoughts on the Marvel Boy miniseries by Grant Morrison and yes. J.G. Jones, published by Marvel Ooh, in the that. early 2000s. A five-star comic for a five-star podcast. Oh, come and- on now. Indy seventy seven. So Thank nice. you so much. What, That's a. Gr- what were you going to say? What Just, a great deep cut. It was a gr- what a great yeah. deep cut out there. I don't know that I've ever read it. Like I know the Whoa. character, but I don't think I've ever read the original miniseries. So I'm very excited to check that out. We won't be reviewing it on this week's Stack Podcast, That's right. but we will talk about it on Netweek's Stack Podcast. And if you have a request, drop it in the iTunes comments as well. We really appreciate it. And now, folks, we are going to wacky, wacka. We're going to welcome in. Wacka, 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 welcome out our. <laughs> you know what? It's been a week, and I forgot how talking works. Oh, We're going to welcome in yeah. our first two guests. They are the creator of the book Rain, which is out now from Image Comics. The second issue actually hits tomorrow. Chris Ryle and David Boer, uh, and this is based on a short story by Joe Hill. Chris. Welcome to the stream. Fingers crossed that David Hello. makes it in. Welcome. Beforehand. Hey, guys. Uh, hey, hey, there we go. Hey. 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 Yeah. Wow. Uh, there we go. Uh, I don't have a... It's, it's practically a pouring. Yeah. It's just like coming down. <laughs> coming down, people. Uh, so I... I love it. Yeah, love oh, this Chris, book. You are muted somehow. We're not hearing your audio. One hey. job. <laughs> two jobs. Let me see if I can do this, Mike. You had less use. You had two jobs. And make hit comics. Get the one. <laughs> you got to get the other. Oh, man. All right, Chris, I'm going to kick you out and welcome you back in again. That usually solves this problem, right? We'll see you in a second. Uh, in the meantime... Oh, thank goodness. Now yeah. we can, oof, oof, now we can get, really get <laughs> now down to relax. it. Absolutely. That so, guy. David, <laughs> I love this short story. I believe this is in Strange Weather by Joe Hill. A great book, great collection. Chris? Yeah, how's that? Yeah, how's that? It is. Wow. Yeah, Just echoey. Everybody can hear me? Yes, but there's an intense echo. There's a crazy echo. If you have headphones, if you have headphones, that usually takes care of that. Yep. 
I've done this before, really. Cool. Well, David, as I was saying, uh, so this is, yes, this is from the Strange Weather Collection by Joe this Hill. It's is, a great short story. Oh, my God. That is. This is my actual working co adaptation copy. You can see in my former life, I was an attorney. So there was a lot of highlighting, <laughs> wow. a lot of things. And so you can see tabs and highlights. So oh, we'll talk about well, that. Consider, then. This, very... consider this book convicted. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Talk about death, the adaptation death penalty right here. Death penalty. <laughs> yeah. We'll oh, talk man. about the adaptation process then. And for those who are listening to the podcast later, you have various highlighted portion. You have a bunch of post-it notes in there. So you read through the story. How do you approach it? Do you do like one pure read through, then go back and highlight and notate things or what's your approach? Well, you know, the first time I ever read it was kind of what sparked my desire to make it into a comic because as soon as i read it i thought this you can visualize everything that happens here what a great story to be able to adapt with visuals so then you know i read it of you know three four five six times as i was trying to con conceptualize sort of how to adapt it but i think for any adaptation you just got to figure out what's that what's the core what's the kernel of the story um and that's what has to come through because comics is different from novels. Movies are different from comics. TV is different from movies, all those sorts of things. And to imagine a story working in its optimal way in the, in the particular medium is, is our job. And, you mm -hmm. know, we succeed in that if we make the best version of the story for the format that we're telling it in. So for me, the kernel of this story was it wasn't an apocalypse story about two women in love. It was a love story set during the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. so yes approaching it as a love story that happens during this apocalypse i think was the key to unlocking the whole thing and how it all eventually unfolds adapted from what happened in the book to what happens in the comic i mean i think that's so in, true go ahead uh, sorry i just just gonna say um now i'm hearing myself which is unfortunate but anyway we'll press one <laughs> Um, the one weird thing about adapting stories like this is you not only have to figure out what goes in the story, but what to leave out, which is a crazy presumptuous feeling when you start deciding this bit that Joe Hill put in his story doesn't really need to be here in the comic. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of the added component is just dealing with with that too. Well, but I have to imagine Chris is the editor who also worked on Lock and Key. You've worked pretty extensively with Joe. So you probably have a sense of his rhythms, what is going to work for prose versus in the comic book page. Yeah. And the good thing is Joe is such a visual prose writer now. You know, I don't know if it's, if it was a thing that was always there to the same degree or if Lock and Key really helped that along. But, uh, you know, he writes his stories in a way that you can kind of easily visualize them as a comic story, even when it's just written as prose. Um, there's another story in Strange Weather called Aloft that, like, I could see the entire graphic novel in my head as I was reading the story. So that's another one that I would love to be able to tackle at some point. Was this how, how did this start? Was this, Chris, you pitching the idea of doing Rain to David or bringing David on? David, did you look at this first? Uh, what was the actual germ of this thing? David, I think it came from you, this one, right? Yeah, so, you know, I read it back when it was in the collection of Strange Weather. And I just love the story so much. So working at IDW and Canto, I sort of thought, 
you know, maybe there's a way, there's a, there's a possibility to contact Joe and see if he would be up for doing something like this. And this was, of course, years ago, and everybody sort of goes their different ways. But the, but the thing that always stuck with me was the story and wanting to make it into a comic. And Chris, you know, ended up at Image, and I think all, it was sort of the perfect storm, pun intended, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> of coming together and making it happen as, as an Image book. So mm. I think it's a testament to anybody who's listening to this, who's, who's a creator, just Find what find find something you're passionate about and push for it. You never know what can happen. It's also I really like really what you said. Too. Sorry, guys, I'm uh, having crazy audio problems. Uh, that's right. Justin, you go while I try to fix uh, this. Great. Um, I really like what you said about um, it being a love story first, because I feel like so many end of the world stories are end of the world situation first, and then we meet the characters who are like, oh no. Um, but this like really centering it there makes it so much more devastating in the, especially in the first issue what what happens and you still feel the, the ramifications of that because of the emotional core as you're going forward into the next issue and beyond i'm assuming i i just feel like we've seen apocalypse stories so many times and after the walking dead that kind of has at this point mined every single kernel of an apocalypse a zombie apocalypse there that you could possibly mine and maybe even more. Um, you, you just have to, we just had to approach it differently. Mm-hmm. And I think movies, uh, stories like Bird Box in a Quiet Place. Oh, yeah. Apoc- apocalyptic yeah. stories, but really at the core about character relationships. And that's what, what, what I saw in Rain was a character relationship set during this strange apocalypse. And that's, and I think that's the way it works as a comic, if we just would have leaned into the apocalypse angle on it, it would have been like, yeah, we see the rain in the first five pages and, oh, that's cool, but I don't know. It is cool. It It is cool. For, you know, 15 pages, setting up these characters and then just ripping things to shreds. That's like, (laughs) that was the beauty of it to me. Well, just to real quick, because we skip by it for anybody who doesn't know the story, the idea of this, as you mentioned, it's about these two women. Uh, One of them is visiting the other, presumably to come to live with her. And in the middle of this, this is a little bit of a spoiler for the first issue, but like you mentioned, this is kind of just where it starts. This strange rain hits that essentially is these very sharp not icicles, as we find out later, but they pierce everything, kill people, rip things to shreds. People start calling them nails as it goes on, and it just gets worse as it goes. But ultimately, like you mentioned, it really is about this character relationship at the middle here. So I just kind of wanted to set that up. Uh, Chris, it looked like maybe you finished fixing your audio stuff. So <laughs> I'm curious to get your input on this. I, I like to get situated for podcasts about halfway through the podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, you know, it was a really tough uh, character development or big moment in the story itself. But when it's paced out to actually be the the finale of the first issue, like it just hits with such a punch. Cause I think Dave and Zoe did just a, such a great job, um, you know, building the relationship, sort of making you really feel the characters and their, their, you know, connection to one another. And so when that ending comes, like it, it, it hits like a hammer. It hits like a nail, if you will. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris, this is another question for you, I guess, but or maybe it is for David, but you're always very good at pairing writers with artists. What led to bring Zoe on board here? You know, I loved uh, Billy Scott when I saw that graphic novel last year. Like, it, there was just a rawness to it that that just really left a mark. Um, and so she was somebody that that I made a note that I want to read and I want to see whatever she does next, you know? And so when, <laughs> when David brought this book to me, I thought, well, she'd be the perfect artist for it. I don't think we're getting her. Like Zoe's doing her own graphic novel. Zoe doesn't need us, but what the hell? Like, let's ask the question. And so she responded well to the material. David and I and Zoe had a nice zoom where we talked about what this could be. And she signed on like to, I think probably to both of our surprise um, and just, just nailed it. You know, like I say, the rawness of her art sort of really grabs home the emotion and the feeling behind the characters. And so you also really feel the horror when it hits and, and, you know, just looking at, at these faces on screen, like she just, she just makes the characters feel so real, so lived in. And so when, when these terrible and these big moments come, like it just, you really feel it. Hmm. Yeah. There's, I, I'll just add, there's something um, wonderful about the balance between she's not a typical horror artist. So there's something wonderful yeah. about her balance between um, sort of the, the visualizing the story and the nice part of it and then <laughs> the horror parts. And it's sort of what we did in that first issue is we balanced the good with the really, really horrible. And I don't think it would have turned out nearly as good if we had either a typical horror artist or somebody who's never done horror before but she somehow i don't i don't know what it is but she's hit that sweet spot where you know we're ready to rip your heart out with the story and their visuals just you know make that it's, incision well it's it's brighter it's like there 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 is really a a, a niceness a a, a a a kind of beauty to the art that really undercuts the violence and the, the nature of everything that's happening. And it's such a magical book from the writing to the art. It really fits well in, in this interesting story. Well, I think yeah, the I mean, art I, makes I think, it feel um, like it's a cool hipster love story, but really that, and that makes it even more surprising when the rain comes. So also something cool, that you don't see coming. It's a cool rain. hipster horror story. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, there was a, there was an issue of HaHa ha that Zoe drew, um, Chris O'Halloran right. colored. And I mean, Chris O'Halloran is another person in this business that is, you see him everywhere, like all these big books where I, I never thought we'd be able to get Chris to color this thing too. And just he and Zoe together makes such a beautiful art team on this book. Agreed. Um, the other thing I'd say about Zoe is, you know, with Lock and Key and Gabriel Rodriguez being such an integral part of Joe's comics from that point of view, we thought having somebody who who sort of works in a very, I don't know, maybe more organic method than Gabriel, you know, Gabe is all about precision and, and fine lines. And, yeah. you know, you see the straight edges and, and uh, the sort of architectural background of his art. Yeah. Where Zoe, I don't know if any of her buildings had any kind of straight edge to it. It's, <laughs> it's just Zoe drawn by hand. And I think that it just sort of accentuates the off-kilter uh, feeling of this whole story. Agreed. Uh, David, I'm curious to hear from you about structuring this for the issue. You, you know, the short story isn't necessarily episodic. Certainly there are different things that happen over the course of it. But when you're talking about something that's a short story or a novella, it's a little more concrete than a multi-issue comic book. So how did you break that up into different acts 
uh, did you feel like it was already present there or was that something you tackled? I think it was, it was kind of already there. And I think that's what attracted me to the story was that there was this, you know, nice beginning, middle end structure. And I stepped back and I, and I looked at, we looked at sort of what we want the cliffhangers for each issue to be. And in particular issue one, um, I remember, I don't even think Chris knows this, but I, I remember doing the, I did an out, we did an outline and sort of buttoned up the outline for the five issues. And then I started writing that first issue. I'm like, oh my gosh, did I, did I put enough into issue one? Cause I knew we wanted to end on where it ends in issue one. Cause that's like the ultimate cliffhanger to bring, bring, bring uh, folks back for issue two. But then as I'm writing it, I'm like, oh gosh, did I include enough in the outline? Is there enough in the story to, to fill out this issue one? And so it really forced me into building out this very deliberately paced act one, issue one, to land on that beat based on what was in the story. So and when that doesn't was, work, you just add two page spreads. Oh, I know. <laughs> like, the ultimate Let's do secret. This two page spread. Um, <laughs> but when you have Zoe, it's like, yeah, give give her the space to just yeah. do her thing, right? Exactly. So um it was, it was, uh, to your question, it was the novella is sort of structured very nicely as a story. So it was just picking those points that we wanted to have the cliffhangers for each issue and when they're all collected, sort of each chapter to keep folks um, reading. What about dialogue? Because obviously there's a lot of dialogue in the novella. Did you look at it sort of the same way where you could tweak and change certain phrases or were you specifically pulling dialogue out of the novella and putting in here in chunks where it made sense? Uh, it was definitely a mix. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the highlighting and things that I showed you in the book are the key phrases, key dialogue, that sort of thing that I knew I wanted to include in there. And then you have to fill, you know, fill out a lot more dialogue in a comic. Uh, so, sort of learning what their voices are from what Joe did in the novella and then expanding on that to fill those gaps. Uh, I, and I think it worked really well. The narration is a lot of um, inspiration from the, from the novella. And it allowed me to sort of tell the story similar, similarly to how Joe told it by including that narration, not just relying on, you know, the, the comic, the visuals on the, on the page to tell sort of what's in between the dialogue, the prose and the, in the novella. Yeah. Uh, this is not specifically related to rain, though it does end up at the end. Chris, I was very excited to see you were doing a bunch of short stories with Ashley Wood at the end there. Yes. Like it's an ongoing story. Uh, what was it like working as a team again? And what brought that together? You know, kind of this whole improv with image is what brought us back together. Um, Ash has been wanting to do stuff together again since, uh, since it was probably a few years since we did zombies robots together. Um, and so when I left IDW, he really wanted to get an imprint going. So we we talked to Image and set up this imprint at, uh, at Image called Syzygy. Um, and as we're sort of building some longer term, sort of longer form projects, we thought, well, we should have a little bit of us in each issue too, just to kind of establish sort of what we saw as the flavor of, of the Syzygy imprint overall. Um, and, you know, it was just kind of fun to get back with him and just try different things. You know, this first story that we put in the back of Rain One was this very gothic vampire story that we're going to do. The second issue features this this almost like Richard Scary, this cutesy uh, Richard Scary like bunny on a horseback. Um, 
that is actually a terrible lethal threat. Um, <laughs> and beyond that, we're, we're sort of just playing with the form and just doing different things as, you know, cool. kind of because it's our thing. So we can, you know, there's now nobody to tell us not to do these yeah. things. So nice. we figure, you know, let's have some fun again. Awesome. When you build the sandbox, you get to put your toys in it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, now, that's what I tell my uh, kids when I spend my days. <laughs> yeah, it, Justin just has them build sandboxes all day. My, this is my sandbox, my rules. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Very Such now, a great father. I read the second issue. It's awesome. Like you've been teasing, it really helps establish and flesh out the world and what's been going on outside this much smaller pocket of the story. But. Uh, other than that, since that does come out tomorrow and there are plenty of people who haven't read it, what can you tease about it? What do you want to tell people to go pick up an issue? I, I'll jump in. I just read Please. a review. <laughs> I just read a review about it, and I think they hit the nail on the head, hey. which is, oh, I did not intend that one, but I'll take it. You guys have been um, saying nail nonstop. I haven't wanted yeah. to call yeah, it. Yeah, truly, you both have. Listen back. It's all nail. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so the the review. We end the issue one on the, the line, what now? What now? And I kind of, I feel like everybody who read that issue one is like, we really love this story, but we have no idea what's going to happen. We have no idea where it's going to go. Um, and so in issue two, we find out what the what now is. Honeysuckle refuses to sort of wallow in her loss. And she makes a plan during the apocalypse to go and make sure those people that she cares about are still okay. Mm. And that's sort of, now we see, I think, where the plot through line is going to take us. Uh, that's awesome. And Chris, uh, what can you tease is coming up from the imprint, if anything? Um, the next book we're releasing is Zombies vs. Robots, because, you know, that's what Ash and I do. Um, yes. We thought, you know, a lot of the that. stuff that we did in the past, people probably haven't seen before, um, or at least not maybe the audience that we hoped would see it. So in March, we're starting a book called Zombies vs. Robots Classic, which not only releases some of these older stories, but we're adding new bits, new stories, new covers, new backup features um, to each issue. I'm doing a, a a prose thing in the back of each issue called The Secret History of Zombies Mr. Robots, which kind of runs through the entirety of the, the history of the comic industry, um, assuming that Zombies Robots has always been a part of it. It's completely ludicrous, <laughs> but but we sort of did sort of weave in kind of the darker and weirder elements of our history together amongst the uh, you know the the fake history that we're playing with. Um Oh, cool. Issue two, we're going to be playing with more Don Martin, Matt, you know, Mad Magazine artist Don Martin. Um, we did these Zombies vs. Robots tributes to him. We're doing that again in a future issue. And just, like I say, just playing around and trying to have some fun with the property once again. Cool. Awesome. Uh, guys, can't wait. Again, the book is so Rain's good. amazing. And, Thank you so yeah, much. It's so yeah, cool. Loving Thank it. you so much for coming out. I, can I just add cover. that? Yeah, yeah, I live in Southern California, and we never get rain. And right now, literally, the clouds have rolled in, and there's thunder and lightning outside. So, if that's not a sign to go pick up rain yeah. number two and rain that number one, that is the muscle that image brings to this project. Yes, yeah. 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 weather control. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming out. Have a great night. Uh, yeah, stay thanks dry very much, guys. There. Appreciate it. All right. <laughs> See you guys.
All right. Once again, the yeah. book is called Ray. The second issue is out from Image Comics tomorrow. That was Chris Ryle and David Boer, and the book is so good. Definitely pick it up. Oh, yeah. Second issue, also really great. Yeah, yeah you do kind of figure out, oh, okay, this is where the story is going, and it's uh, it's really just instant when savage instant when savage dragon came out image sent dragons into the world so they That's are wild. really good at pushing the the promotion mm-hmm. let's welcome in our next guest a frequent guest here on the show with a new project to share that has nothing surprisingly to do with baseball mitts he's now tadza nat Towson. you know him you love him pete's what gonna punch call him, him? I don't know. What did I just call him? <laughs> I don't know. Who writes these intros? Oh, wow. Ah, all right. Oh, all right. Oh, okay. Hey. Graphic novel flex. Sorry, I was just reading. Lost track of wow. time. <laughs> Guess I'll put away this so relevant casual. piece of literature. Hi. Okay. Okay. Uh, Nat, welcome back. Always good to see you. Some Nat. Nat Towson. Thanks for having me on the show and bringing that up immediately. Uh, Nat, <laughs> I believe... You have created some sort of new monstrous robot or something you want to introduce people to? Is that what's going yes. on? Yes, I'd love to talk about Botnik Studios, where I work. Okay. Uh, for those who are not familiar, who haven't heard me on the show before, I don't know our work. Was he at a Foley artist? Uh, so yeah, say, can I get some leaves crunching next? Yeah, So we're a computer company. Oh, I thought you'd have a computer noise. Yeah, that's nice. good. Oh, that's oh. a little you need to update that sound effect. Yeah, the computers don't have cranks anymore, but uh I love Alex's like, oh, Nat's on. I can kick back and pour yeah, oh, bourbon just... into my cup. I've been, I've been thinking about it the entire interview. <laughs> How do you guys think this appearance is going so far? Because I think it's going really good. Great. I love it. I mean, it's just great to have you here and let you explain what you're doing over the course of Ooh, this multiple is nice. interruptions. This, this glass still has like an egg ring. That's gross. Also, you interrupted my interruption, which is something we've agreed that we don't do. When in therapy, we said we weren't going to do that. Right, oh, you guys go to a group? I mean, uh, Thrupple's counseling? Yeah, Justin's always late and Pete doesn't want to be there. <laughs> oh, I oh think isn't that, that what the yeah. show is? That's the yeah, show. I think so. You're a therapist. Am I? Oh, okay. Um, and how does that make you feel? <laughs> oh, good. It makes me yeah. feel, awooka, awooka. Thanks, Alex. That is you in therapy, Alex. I believe that completely. <laughs> so, uh, Alex, you have steam coming out of your ears. Would you like to explain? <laughs> So, uh, you want to tell us about the job? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, whenever you're right. I can actually leave the stream and come back, or that would be easier. No, that's fine. Uh, Nat, what's going on at Botnik? Oh, Botnik Studios. We're a uh, machine learning and AI creative studio. We use uh, tech tools that we build and tools that others have built in order to create comedy and other kinds of media, but mostly comedy. And uh, we've got a lot of really interesting, uh, exciting stuff coming up later this year that I am not allowed to talk about legally yet. But, uh, keep, you know, stay in mind that Botnik Studio is always cooking up new stuff. Uh, some of our recent projects, we just did, uh, we trained uh, predictive text keyboard on all of the dialogue from the Elder Scrolls games. And then we wrote new dialogue and created, uh, like, insert characters who talk to you for those games. Uh, we are, we created our favorite list our list of oh, sorry barack obama's favorite music of 2021 if you uh it's all very real um 
Thank you. And so I thought for this show, I would actually throw you guys a, I threw you a little bit of a curveball. If you want, I just emailed you guys a little mm-hmm. uh, a little document. You can take a look yourselves. And for the listener at home, I'll explain what's going on while you pull that up. Yeah, we or I'll just read, read from it, it if you'd like. No, I'll read to the illiterate members of the group, but those... Uh, Hmm. <laughs> uh, I've opened up this email. What am I looking at here now? I'll explain, Alex. So what okay. I've done is I've taken um, a list of every mm. mutant in Marvel, uh, every mm. X-Men character, that is, okay. uh, every X-Men mutant book, and I fed it into what is called a neural network, which is a complicated algorithm that's designed to mimic the way that human beings, uh, that human brains think. So they notice patterns. And they tried to analyze the patterns, and I had it spit out as many new X-Men characters as it could come up with. And what I've just sent you are a few of my absolute favorites. There's so, some. I know if you remember, we did this uh, recently, or I guess within the last year, with some G.I. Joe characters. Yes, we had to, we, well. we did uh, some AI-generated G.I. Joes. This has been a little bit more of a thorough process, so I actually think mm. these results are better. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. About now this. we're pretty experienced at reading mm. lists of names here, so <laughs> usually, <laughs> yeah. Can you hit me with a few of your favorites? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, I mean, uh, just spitballing here. I'll go first, and then Pete. Do you want to read the second one? And Justin, no. you want to read the third? No, and you don't want to read anything. No, he yeah. said he would read. So, I'm oh, not are you going to read them, Nat? I get I, no, no, no. Please, please. Uh, I, I'd, I'd be happy to join the process, and I am now understanding why comic books have pictures. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh sure I, I mean i can throw one out here eyelash media cat that feels very prescient um yeah i'm gonna i'm very excited to say my favorite x-man is now more juggler <laughs> all one word <laughs> i feel like more juggler started as the juggler and then got some sort of external secondary mutation it became more juggler yeah exactly like white queen got diamond skin uh, juggler got more juggler. I was thinking like more cowbell is needed to make things funny. Mm. You know, this mm-hmm. needs more juggler mm. to make things um, uh, more uncomfortable. My favorite one, though, let me just say, is Sears whore. <laughs> uh, the store, the old-fashioned department store, which probably doesn't really exist anymore. Sears, a whore for Sears is. I feel like that we White Queen here. would one hundred percent make fun of Sears whore. Yeah, that's probably that's a nickname she gives Kitty Pride at one point. She's like, Sears what are you up to, wow. Yeah, like an insult of her clothing. I really yeah. love its attempts here. A couple of my favorite. One is Steven Sinatra, which is a great name. Uh, Guido <laughs> is another one. If you scroll down. Uh, Guido. Sometimes it just well, gave is, me real. One of them is an X-Men. Guido is an X-Men. Guido is a real X-Men. So it's probably, yeah. it's probably pulling from that. I tried to remove any that were already X-Men, but I oh, didn't okay. do a like. You miss Guido. That's <laughs> true. I missed Guido. Uh, uh, ooh, this is uh, this is one that's an X-Men, but also one of Justin's nicknames from college, I believe, is Bear Tyler. Bear t- <laughs> 100%. Yo, I definitely have a relative named Bear Tyler. Just a quick <laughs> shout out to. Uh, shout out to Tyler. the bear. Yeah. I'm very interested um, in this one over here, Trotix Full Bonk TM. Like as in yeah. trademarked, yeah. Yeah, no no no, I, I got that part. <laughs> oh, it's for the uh, listening audience. Yeah. We've got Upright Citizens Brigade feels very on the nose. That is yeah, that's, that's it spat that out whole cloth, Upright Citizens Brigade. That's wild. That one. That's how they got that name. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. yeah. Mm, our, this is this is an interesting one. I wonder what his powers are. Nelson Mandela. <laughs> 
I included that because I like the idea. Like sometimes they like to claim that certain historical figures were mutants. Yeah. Santa Claus. That, what would I feel like Nelson Mandela is definitely on the side of they would do that, but please don't do that. Whoa. Oh yeah. Yeah. Are there that other well. like there are other historical figures on the same line where it's like maybe don't make them a mutant. Uh, it also said John Steinbeck, which I like. Yeah, exactly. Can't read all those books. Superhuman. Scroll <laughs> down a bit. There's a few really long ones, like Wild Screaming Griffin, and mm. I, I really like Ape Man Part One. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> part One is parentheses. Don't stick around for part. I mean, we've got Endless Clown here. Oh, uh, we have, that's like generic. more juggler. Endless glass. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe his adversary. Also, yeah. I'm saying the word adversary probably because I was just reading one that is Butterman's adversary. Sorry, Butterman's adversary is the full name of the wow. That's well, toast, technically. Yeah. Uh, this is actually a good one. Uh, it's X, obviously, the letter X. X student, which mm. I feel like that's legitimately something you could see in like Ecstatics or oh, a sure. Jason like Aaron comic, yeah. comic or something like that. That's pretty good. Ooh, Scissor oh. Doctor. Natalia well, I, mean, I got I gotta give it up for penthouse jazz <laughs> that's cool <laughs> that's something that one of the early like Stan Lee would be like I need a new villain somebody and one of the bullpen guys was like I want penthouse jazz the coolest two things I can think of right now yeah that's very <laughs> I, I like uh, bead shots pretty good because I bead feel like shot. that's a a weirdly misshapen long shot, like something went wrong with him in the printing process. <laughs> yeah, and they just like, no, that we met that we <laughs> meant that to happen. That's a new character. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, that's bead shot. Uh, face hands uh, is clearly uh, mm-hmm. like something that definitely exists. Kirby character for sure. Mm-hmm. Somewhere oh. <laughs> down the line is fascist. <laughs> that's pretty good. You also have bitch. You wrote down. Bitch. Yeah. Occasionally, because right. it can tell that some of them are just one word that's a noun. So it's like, oh, that must be what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like a, like a descriptor. Sort of a marrow type character. Now, yeah. Pete, I'm curious to get your input on this one because this could be an X Men, but it could be something else. Uh, Lady Marmaduke. Mm. Now, you'd probably know is there is there a time like other cartoon characters where Marmaduke dresses as a sexy lady? You're our Marmaduke expert, Pete, so yeah, please chime in here. The people want to know. Sure. Why, why they just so think mad? about this like an improv show or something. Have a little fun with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of the idea of the whole process. It inspires because... creativity. Now we're coming up with new characters. Uh, and if someone big red dog. To, you know, draw them. <laughs> Pete's mad because his actual X-Men name has been put on this list. Rickety Mac Daddy. Uh, we all know. <laughs> oh, this one is straight up a Grant Morrison character. La Fantastique Dera Desdina. Desenda. Is yeah. that real or are you saying that? La Fantastique like Dera Desenda. No, I'm saying like that is 100% a Grant Morrison. He would introduce that in the X-Men. Yeah, and also two movie. down from that is Punk Captain Sexy, which I really yeah. like. <laughs> I also like <Yeah>. Trevor <laughs> Trevor Fitzroy's cousin. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> I mean, he would be a menace. Yeah, I like Wham Bam Blackbeard. And, <laughs> that's great. Of course, trapped in swamp. Oh, Dune Two swamp is all hyphens too. I like that. Dune Two is a good one. <laughs> Dune Two. Uh, uh, and. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Now. I got to give it up for the predominant icon. That's mm-hmm. a really good yes. one. 
that's a that's like a Eunice the Untouchable kind of name. Yeah. Yeah. And this last oh. one here, police snitch. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder what his power is. He's where he crosses the blue line from the other side. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Pete isn't participating in this because this involves his two least favorite things, X Men and words. Yeah. Yeah. And let's throw on a topper, Nat. <laughs> I feel like now is probably a good time to remind the listening audience that Pete was my level one improv teacher. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're an ex student. Of an ex student. Oh, that's a joke. There you go. Pete's in. Thank you for engaging with me, Pete. Now, Nat, uh, can you tell us how this actually works a little bit? Because these are all based on. So, what like? Did all information go in? Like, tell us yeah. how it. So essentially, so this is based on a. It's a really complicated algorithm called a uh, neural network, basically. And like I said, it's trying to mimic the way a human brain thinks, and it's not all the way there yet, which is part of the fun. I think that like, they're kind of like uh-huh. wrong and right at the same time. Yeah. And you can fine tune them, but you can also say like, here's how close to the original suggestion I want you to go, or or here's how like wild you can go. So what I had to do was spit out like on a on a scale of one to five, like uh, a level one, two, three, four, and five, and then picked uh, with other people at Botnik, we went through and picked our favorites. So some of them are slightly sound more like superhero characters. Some of them are farther out there. Some of them are things that exist in the X-Men world already. Some of them, one of them is Quagmire, which is the name of uh, a family guy character among other things. But like, yeah. Essentially, what it's doing is it is this it's a model called GPT-2 and it is trained on a massive amount of text. Like if you just downloaded everything on the Internet, I'm exaggerating slightly, but an enormous amount of publicly available text. So when you drop it in, uh, like when you when you feed it a new text file, which I gave it a text file that was the list of every X-Men character, which I pulled from like a Marvel wiki, um, it will look at that file and then try to find connections. Like what kind of text is this? And then it consults its massive body of text that it already has and goes like, where do words like this generally go together? Where, you know, some of the things that spat out were just other Marvel characters because it figured out, oh yeah, like, you know, Dr. Strange or like Thor was in there somewhere. And that's it doing its job maybe better than we want it to do. And that's like, what's called like low temperature is very close to the suggestion. Um, And then like high temperature is letting it go really wild from the suggestion. So what it's doing is it's essentially trying to find text in its memory, in its massive memory that kind of has the same cadence or pattern, or if you give it a list, it's like noticing what do all these things have in common with each other. Like some of, you know, there it's there's a lot of something mans because it recognizes that that's like a, uh, or Zen Madam or Sunglasses Baron, Lucian the Clown. Like it recognizes that these are all like styles of, uh, like fra- the way that superhero names are phrased. Uh, so it's like trying to pull with some success and some failure. Like one of them is just schmoops. Uh, I don't know where it got that one. It's a great Probably one. Like, dupe. Maybe dupe. Yeah, yeah you may have just figured out, oh, some of these are weird names. Yeah. There you go. Or like weird non-words. Like it, it can go, it's oh, called this doesn't pepper lyrics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, what else do you guys have coming down the pike, though? You said you worked on an Elder Rings thing. Obviously, you have this X-Men list, which is a big deal for your company. Uh, what else? <laughs> it's <laughs> a pretty big deal. Well, I will say, like, pretty projects like deal. this 
Um, you know, one of the fun things about this is like, this is just a list, but what we like to do is sort of bring these things slightly into the uncanny valley a little bit farther. So, you know, for example, um, with the Elder Scrolls, uh, with the Elder Scrolls project, what we did was not only did we write dialogue for the game, but then we took screenshots from the game, got the typeface that they use within the game and mocked up fake screenshots. So if you encounter it and you're someone who plays those games, there's this moment where you look at it and you go, wait, is this is this real? And we like to sort of like play with that. Your brain tries to recognize it and it's always just feels a little bit off. And I think that's where a lot of the fun comes from. We, we released a while back a uh, Coachella poster where we had a neural network generate thousands of fake band names. And I love that because for me, it simulates the experience of when I see a real festival lineup now and I don't know any of the bands, but right. they sure sound like they could be bands, you know? <laughs> Well, that's what I think is so cool about it is you find these, especially comedically, you find something that just mimics our human experience in a way um, that is is funny. Like reading that list of X-Men, it's like, you know, I've been reading comics for my whole life, basically. And looking, if I had a list of X-Men characters, I'd be like, half of these are ridiculous. And this list yeah. is the same one. And we could play a game, which, you know, one could argue I should have set up, of, like, X real X-Men, fake X-Men, or something like that. Uh, yeah, and there's a lot right, of, like, right. fun applications like that. I will say, personally, what I would love, and I see some people in the comments are asking, what is the end result here? Um, and to them, I would say, is this not good enough for you? But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> are you not entertained? Exactly. However, what I would... what Like, there's a lot of ways we could go for this. What I would love to do is design, like... 1990s marvel trading cards with these characters on them and like put their stats on the back oh, and see, like, that's nice. super fun do fake bios like yeah and if you're at, if you're listening to this and you like to draw comic books or anything like that and you want to go ahead and draw video goon or rusty johnson or <laughs> talk uh, to the hildebrand don't don't draw rusty johnson okay <laughs> fair enough why not pete oh, why not I have a picture because i have a picture draw schmoops yeah, Ape Man Part One, please. I'm begging someone to come up with what that means. <laughs> well, you know what? It's funny you say that you could have done it as a quiz. Like, we actually have this segment in the show called Trivia that we've been trying to freshen up a little huh. bit. So oh, maybe we have. It. Have you considered? Yeah. Um, have you ever fed any? Deceased? Yeah, I was going to say, could you feed some dead celebrities into your bond? Pretty dark so far, but I like where you're going with it. Pretty dark. And that's when the algorithm starts predicting celebrity death. Oh, that's what makes you That's what the real buddy is, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Even uh, if it's not accurate, we can just... <laughs> uh, Nat, what else do you want to plug? What else is going on for you? Anything is live performance Nat, back? What's happening? The, is this yeah. not enough for you people? <laughs> I got a show. This more. I've got a show that's currently called Stand Up with Nat Towson because some guys tried to sue me for the old name that it had. Uh, it's starting to caveat in Manhattan, New York on March 3rd every week. First show's going to have Ian Garofalo on it. Uh, second show's going to be Ophira Eisenberg from NPR's Ask Me Another. Third show, David Cross. I can't release wow. the rest of the lineups yet because they're not totally done. But if you want to come to Caveat every Thursday at 7 starting in March. And if you're interested in checking out more Botnik work, we've done a lot of... Uh, I would say comic and geek adjacent stuff. You should check out our X Files and Star Trek scripts, our Game of Thrones script. Uh, we did. We've done. A, we've done quite a few things that were that are probably. I bet some of your listeners would be fans of. And we are I'm, Botnik Studios on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. Botnik.org uh, for the website. I've mentioned this to you a million times, but my kids 
loved the Harry Potter thing that you did and quote it incessantly even years later. So, uh-huh. so cool. if, uh, I if, love that so much. That warmed my heart, Alex. And that, that was it. my project. I, I, that was my idea. And I led that one, um, in, in the hopes that it would be popular because people love Harry Potter and yeah, people have done speaking of, you know, bringing this stuff into the real world. Uh, we released that by mocking it up to look like a real book and people have been begging us to, um, to release release i'm saying this in quotes the whole book which doesn't exist for years um, jk rowling's lawyers have told us do not do that uh, <laughs> those guys however, got a lot on their hands though yeah. our kickstarter backers did get access to the from a project we did a long time ago the like secret longer version of that that was an earlier draft so it does exist somewhere but what i was going to say is that um people have adapted that like you know, I've heard comic book fan uh, creators talking about like seeing people do their own, uh, you know, adaptations of their characters, fan art coming in cosplay and stuff like that. And the amount of fan art that that piece generated is like, wow. basically, that's the best reaction to something I've created I've ever had. There are comics out there. People have made animations, videos, audio drama versions of it. Like if, if you search for it, you will find hundreds of adaptations and that's that's like to me the sincerest form of flattery here's my here's my challenge to you nat thing you should do take this one step further feed as many x-men comics as you can into the bot and get rob liefeld to draw the eventual comic. <laughs> wow. I, I th- he has I retweeted th- me before. I think that's a me that's too. Word, right? I think I think we can he make this happen. Retweets I, are endorsements as far he, as I exactly. Know. He's an accessible person. I think I can mm-hmm. chat with him about it. Yeah, I mean if we can get transcripts, uh and I, which I'm sure exist, uh, because there are all those comics, you know, for the vision impaired and stuff, we really could create X-Men dialogue or things like that. I would love to find if there is the text like X-Men bios somewhere, because again, I would love to do uh Marvel trading card style. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you can, you could apply this, you know, when we do a screenplay, when we did the X-Files, for example, we had a PDF of the screenplays and we used an algorithm to separate it by character. And then you can just write, use these little keyboards to write dialogue for every character. So you could absolutely apply that to the X-Men. And uh, Rob, if you're listening, we'd be honored. <laughs> Rob, that listening. Always Is awesome he, seeing you. I look forward to our collabo on this upcoming X-Men comic. Thank you for coming on. Goodbye, Broken Jump Jump. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there we go. That was Nat Tazen again, and it's Botnik Studios. Check it out. They have a ton of fun stuff on their website, including the Harry Potter thing that I mentioned, among other things. Uh, and hopefully we can convince Nat to drop the list of X-Men in our Patreon Slack. Uh, I forgot to mention that on air. Somebody requested it here in the comments, but that's a great idea. So we'll make that happen. You know what? He sent it an email. It's our property now. So we'll just drop it in there. Wow. Nice. It is nice. And folks, it is time for our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It's your audience question. And audience questions, you know how this works. Drop a question over in the YouTube comments or an ask question here on Crowdcast. I see a couple popping up already. Now, why don't we, why don't we move into them? What do you say? All right, this is from <laughs> yeah. Kevin. We already talked about what we drink. Usually we talk about what we drink at this point. Uh, this is from Kevin. What genre do you think would be most appropriate for a comic written by AI or drawn by one or both? Ooh, that would have been a good thing to ask Nat. But what do you think? Uh, what? <laughs> I mean, you hit it with like early '90s X Men. I feel like 
was so much about introducing new characters and a lot of posturing and uh and stuff so like i i do think that that could really hit i also on a similar bend i feel like you could probably feed just the clone saga into a bot and make something kind mm-hmm. of amazing well i don't know just a thought maybe punisher comics wow. what about that pete sure I Pete, think they've been written. I love how into you doing the show you are. I really appreciate it. I ain't no problem. What, what's the matter, Peter? Are you feeling? I know we were off last week. Are you feeling disconnected from us? Do we need to do like some sort of reconnection exercise? Uh, zip, zip, zap, zap. Nope. You guys zap. Yeah. You guys are great. You guys are really good. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. This is a question over here from YouTube that maybe gets to the heart of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Stanley says, does Alex get to go on many vacations like Justin and Pete? Where in the world would you like to visit someday? Oh, that's nice. I was working, though. I will say. I was, <laughs> I was employed. I was an employed person. But yes, yes, you were Alex. employed in Florida drinking alcohol and eating food. I, I was it. I was producing and I was directing. You were producing food Line to be eaten producing, by. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, great question, man. If there ever, if travel ever opens up widely again, that would be really lovely. I'd, I'd love to go to Italy someday. That would be nice. Um, love to go to Tokyo. That's sort of one of my dream things, but it's like super expensive. That would be really hard. What about you guys, Pete? Where would you like to visit someday? Who? Uh, yeah, I'd like to go across the pond. I haven't really been across the pond, you know uh check out england you're talking about the duck pond in west philly right oh yeah definitely, definitely. you don't go across got gang warfare <laughs> yeah very dramatic the dramatic fresh prince as we know mm-hmm. that yeah. we've all been waiting for yes um i like how they want to point it out that i have been across the pond that's fun nice yeah i went yes. to ireland uh, that's across the pond it is it is yeah Peter, there's a lot of people in the comments talking about how you were playing in a pickleball league. Yeah, pickleball. Uh, I've, we found uh, the center of like uh, pickleball in Florida. There's this. We were in this retirement community, and literally there was like lines and lines of people to get uh, down these pickleball courts. It's very intense. The pickleball scene in Florida is bananas, and we were in the kind of like the heart of it for sure. For those of us that don't know, describe pickleball. It's like half the court of a of a tennis court, uh, similar kind of setup, um, but you have a wiffle ball instead of a tennis ball, and it's plastic, um, and the racket is either like wood or plastic, and uh, it's just kind of like this floaty knuckleball thing, uh, but it's a lot of fun. Pete, did you secretly retire? Oh man, I wish I can't wait, dude. I love all those retirement games like bocce, uh, shuffleboard. You know what I mean? Like pickleball. I'm into it, man. I'm, I'm all, uh, I'm all. Are in. you going to retire, Pete? Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. That's uh, it's. it's and what is that? Of... That's you're one day away from retirement, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. that's when shit goes crazy. Yeah, that's when it's movies. like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want your gun and your badge. Wait, Justin, did you say where you would like to visit, if you can? Um, yes, um, I haven't said yet. Uh, I want to go. Um, I want to take. I have some uh, relatives in Australia, 
that mm-hmm. I visited once right after I graduated college, and I want to take the, my family and go down. Oh, wow, that's adorable. Very cool down there. Down yeah, under. Awesome. Down under. This is from Corey over on Crowdcast. With Sokka having returned, is there another comic which has been on an extended hiatus that you would be excited to see return? Oof. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, What's been on a hiatus? I mean, a perennial answer would be lock and key. It's not really on a hiatus, technically. No. It's just there are large gaps uh, between production, which is, mm-hmm. you know, totally. I, you know, Josh in the comments is a great answer. Southern Bastards, uh, yes, yeah, sort of didn't really close up the story and um, would love to have that back. That'd be awesome. Ben the Border Collie says Runaways, which ended a recent run. That would be great as well. Hmm. This is from Stray Bullet. Is Pete still planning on punching Nat Townsend or has had time healed all indignation? So happy the answer is yes. Yeah. Oh, thanks for asking. No, uh, Nat Townsend is going to get a fresh one right in the face. You don't, uh, you don't even know how to say his name. <laughs> it's spelled you, wrong here. So it was always it was always the stomach and it was based on. His taught him talking about how Botnik Studios was going to change the internet, change the world. Yeah, and based on what we just saw, I think it did. No, so it I didn't. don't. I don't think he. I think you actually lost the bet, and Nat it actually owes you a punch. No, right in the old pickleball, if you know what well, I'm talking. Well, about. I tell you what, when we see each other, we'll see what happens. You know what I mean? And you know, what are, you, are you? What are you? You're setting this up. You've built this up to be an actual street fight that you want to get into. The Philadelphia has changed you, Pete. You need to move. Uh, you need to move back north. Well, it's it's funny that you say uh, Philadelphia has has changed me. Um, I have a story that uh, it says that the opposite. That happened to me on my trip to Florida, if you would like to hear it. Oh, wow. That (laughs) sounds like a tee-up for a story. It's a good old Pete story time. Guess I got to get some more. uh... Get get a beverage. It's time for Pete story time. Yeah, that's right. Let's do it. Slowly gather around. It's time for all of us to suck on a little cheesesteak. Go ahead, Pete. Mm, All right. So um, still got this egg rim going on here. Go ahead. So you guys know how uh, boarding and onboarding of planes work. It's my least favorite part of the human experience is how we can't really get things together to orderly get on and off a plane. It's a nightmare of like epic proportions. It takes way too long. It drives me insane. Uh, You know, anyway, so I'm deep planing. People are getting off in, uh, in front of us. And it's me and Liwana, and I open up the overhead compartment, and my bag is gone. My carry-on bag. So I have a moment of panic of like, oh my God, what do I do? But then I realize like some asshole is getting away with my suitcase. So I come up with the brilliant idea of just uh, running and crashing through people until I find my suitcase. So the thing about running, uh, um, (laughs) trying to get off a plane in a hurry when other people aren't on board with what's happening is it's hard to scream ahead of yourself about 
what's happening to people as you're kind of crashing into them. And poor Liwana has to like apologize after I go bursting by, you know what I mean? Because I'm like, excuse me, someone stole my bag, excuse me, someone stole, and I'm just like, you know, straight up elbowing people, getting people out of my way, jumping uh, over children, stuff like that, because the longer I take, the quicker this person's getting away from me. And so, right, exactly. And so, um, and then, uh, you know, the longer I, because I, I kind of work my past, past the plane, uh, you know, then you kind of got the hallway until you're back in the airport. And so I'm, I'm, I crash my way all the way through the hallway. And then when we get in the airport, I start panicking because like now people can go anyway. So I kind of take it up a notch and are just kind of plowing through families, just like kind of bursting my way through people um, because of the fear of losing uh, my suitcase. Let me just um, say, this is very stressful. This is very stressful. <clears throat> Your bag, which is uh, based on my experience, full of knives and drugs. <laughs> exactly. And let yeah, me just yeah. shout out Nat's comment, which is what I was thinking as well. This is a real rickety Mac Daddy story, and it 100 is. <laughs> well, I mean, when you think about it, like you, if you stop and try to get a flight attendant, or maybe not try to chase down your bag, you're never going to see it again. You know what I mean? I mean, sure, huh. maybe. Um, but like, you know, I mean, you know, time is of, of the essence. Um, so yeah. anyways, I then finally see my bag. I jump and rip it out of this, uh, woman's hands as she kind of turns and, and is looking to me in shock. And, uh, and I yell, uh, this is my bag. And then she kind of like looks down and sees what she's done. This very nice older woman. We all know I love grandmas. Um, and <laughs> she then True. looks at me and it was like, where's my bag? And then I look at her and say, how the fuck should I know? And uh, <laughs> she goes running the other way. And I uh, just basically fall to my knees in sweat and uh, pain from all the running that I have then done. But oh uh, my god, you so you was, were right. It was a nightmare situation, and you know, kind of part of me wonders, like, uh, you know, like is she kind of a part of some elaborate, like, oh, I'm an innocent older person, but she literally oh, like. Is running scams and that how that's how people lose their bags, you know, type of yeah, thing. She or definitely was wanted just... your old underwear or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Grill cat burglar criminal. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you got it back, Pete. That's yeah. great to hear. Yeah. It was uh that's that's was... a hell of a story, Pete. Was that in the Miami airport? Uh no, it was Back the... in Philly. No, no, it was the uh, Pebble Beach International, West Palm Beach International Airport. Oh, Pebble Beach? West Did you Palm go Beach. golfing? You went on a golfing vacation, Pete? It was uh, a retirement community is where my parents w- were. So, like, you know, it's a lot of nice. a lot of retired uh, people. But seriously, what <laughs> have a... you guys, what have you done? You look up, your bag's gone. What do you do? I mean, I think I would have done something similar, perhaps. Um, but let me throw this out to you. I was in a very similar bad situation in the Miami airport on my way back up here. 
the line was two. I showed up like you do an hour and a half before your flight, two hours, almost mm-hmm. two hours. The line was two hours to get to through security. And uh, I waited in it for like 45 minutes. I was like, I can't. This flight was going to board. It was boarding. So I went up and like was like, hey, what do I do here? They let me in into this whole thing. Racing had the wrong gate on my boarding pass. I ran through the Miami airport like an absolute maniac with like three bags on my back um, and was truly the last person through the gate. Through, wow. But the door closed behind me. Wow, it's like an Indiana Jones where you like jumped in just as it was closing. Exactly. I left my hat behind. Wow. Did you reach back last second and then grab it though? This is very similarly this past weekend. I was playing Super Mario Galaxy with my kid and mm-hmm. it took us a couple of tries to beat Bowser. <laughs> <laughs> We all have our struggles. Our, we, we all have hard things that happen this past weekend. So there you go. Let's get some other questions here. This one is from Pablo D. Martinez. The trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness brought a lot of wonder and made No Way Home look like small budget movie by comparison. What do you think? Wow. Did it make Spider-Man No Way Home look like a little indie movie that should have been nominated for an Oscar if they knew what they were talking about. Wow. Wow. Some fire um, there. I mean, I will say that this trailer did, did some good work. This trailer broke the Marvel trailer formula, I think, and is making some swings to have this be like, uh, well, a, a movie you have to have seen some stuff to come into, but also like scary, intense, dramatic, well-directed. Uh, I gotta say, uh, the trailer stresses me out and I, I I don't, I'm not excited about seeing this movie. It looks uh, really insane and very stressful and I don't know how it's going to end. And I'm really worried about it. Usually in trailers, they put the end of the movie, right? They're like, just, you know, don't stress out. This is how it ends. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, yeah, we are, I will mention, we are going to talk about it, but we're going to do a Marvel Vision podcast talking more about the trailer. We're going to roll it out a little early for Patreon members in lieu of a Week in Geek this week is the plan. Uh, and then we'll put it up in the Marvel Vision feed tomorrow morning, depending on when you're listening to it. Maybe it's already there. I don't know. Uh, nice. But there you go. We'll definitely delve more into it. This is from Jaron Townsend over on YouTube. Mm. Have you guys- Actually, Townsend, have you guys been keeping up with Time Before Time? I now have it on my pull list along with a bunch of other books you guys reviewed. First of all, Jaron, thank you so much. That is so nice to hear. Always appreciate that. I'll admit I have not been keeping up with Time Before Time. Read the first couple of issues, really enjoyed it, loved the art style. Um, But it started to get a little overly complicated for me. I don't know how you guys felt about it. Uh, I liked it. I like it. I think I'm one issue behind on it, but um, I I think I'm still on board. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, liking the first couple of issues, uh, but and uh, really blown away by the art. Uh, but yeah, it just kind of fell off a little bit. But uh, yeah, I should definitely pick that back up. Yeah, it's good stuff, though. And Declan Shalvey is really pushing himself forward as a writer in particular, which is cool to see. This is from Josh. A couple of weeks back, Jolene said something that made her Pete level angry or something to that effect. It made me wonder, Alex and Justin, what makes you Pete level angry? Pete, what's a prediction you had made 
Uh, this is some, the opposite end of it. Pete, what's a prediction you made that was Alex saying John Carter would be the Star Wars of the current generation <laughs> yes. level wrong? Ooh. I'm glad that resonates uh, uh, amongst yes. the people. Yeah, Two right. big questions there. Uh, Pete, do you want to take the second one first? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of like <laughs> we've definitely made Alex angry for different reasons, but I'm trying to think of like the last. Well, the time. most recent one is Book of Boba Fett made me very angry about it a bunch of times for a bunch of different reasons. We Which is insane it. because it's a great fucking show. Did you see? What they released is the two Lego sets for Book of Boba Fett. Not that this is the only thing, but the Book of Boba Fett, and this is spoilers for the Book of Boba like Fett. It feels like a big thing oh to be angry. A small oh, thing to be angry. No, no, I'm not angry about Lego it. I just release? couldn't believe this was happening. So they released two Lego sets for the Book of Boba Fett. So it has the branding of like Book of Boba Fett. It has little Legos of Boba Fett and Fennec Shad on it. The right. first the set. Jet scooters? Jet yeah, scooter. yeah, or whatever. The first set is. The Mandalorian's new ship and the Lego figures are the Mandalorian, <laughs> Baby Yoda, Pelimoto, and a robot. Okay. So they're not in the set at all. And the other set is Boba Fett's throne room, except it's Bib Fortuna sitting on the throne. So it's actually the scene from the Mandalorian. So the two sets they released cool. is one is a set only featuring the Mandalorian. The other one is a scene that was in the Mandalorian in a very brief flashback in Book of Boba Fett. So if there is anything endemic of the fact of like nothing in this show mattered, it's definitely Boba. That. Boba gets oh, no yeah. respect. I mean, I always judge how I feel about things by the Lego set. Exactly. Thank you, Pete. I appreciate yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So wait, Thank the you. question was, what yeah. makes Alex and I angry? And the other question was, have you ever missed Pete the way Alex missed on John Carter? Uh, Pete, have I you don't... ever missed? Has Pete I'm... ever missed? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, gets, Pete takes himself out of the prediction game. Because Pete, I, let me throw this out there, Pete. Please dispute this if you don't think so. Yeah. Pete's someone who is nervous about things coming out mm-hmm. and rarely like, here's my take. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. very excited to tape this uh, podcast episode about Doctor Strange too, because I was like, "Oh, half of these things, Pete's gonna think are news." Yeah, oh, big That's exciting. Yeah, it's great. I love informing about you. you That's about exactly. Stuff We're often podcast. bringing the news to Pete. So he's, <laughs> not, right. he's not one to have a big, rea- a big take. Justin, mm-hmm. have you ever been wrong about anything? I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember one. Yeah. Um, Tell you I what, listen say, to like literally any of our Riverdale podcasts. And you're <laughs> yeah, if you want to hear us be wrong about stuff, listen to our Riverdale podcast. Though we do, we do hit a couple times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, every now and again. Uh, let me say, I don't, I don't get angry like Pete does. I don't mm-hmm. have that gear, and that's why I'm f- endlessly fascinated. <laughs> this is from Nelson Martinez. Oh, actually, What's up, Nelson. Quick- Quick question from Kevin Wilcox first. Is it about H.G. Wells going back in time, about time before time? It's not. It's actually about a guy who works at a place that takes people back in time and then he gets embroiled in this whole time war thing that's going on. And it's very fun and very complicated. But this one is from Nelson Martinez. Have you guys checked out Legend of Vox Machina? I'm a big fan halfway through the season, seeing what you guys think if you checked it out. Um, I'll tell you what. I think we've talked about this here on the show before. A lot of the D&D based stuff really passes me by because other than a couple of times in high school, I never really got into it. So I never really got into Legend of Vox Machina, even though 
I don't know if you guys know him from New York comedy stuff, but I know Sam Regal pretty well, and mm. he's very involved in that. Uh, did you guys check out any of it? No. Wait, didn't we read? Wait, is is this, isn't he talking? Isn't he talking about like a show that's on Amazon Prime? That's yeah. So there's yeah. a D and D based show called Vox Machina, which yeah, is basically I keep people meaning playing a D and D game. Uh, and it's ongoing. They've created it on their own characters. It's comedic in nature. Sam Regal, who is in this sketch comedy group called the Infinite Monkeys, is part of it, among a lot of Good other name. people. That's a, that's and we've read, name. we've reviewed a couple of their comics yeah. uh, that they've done based on that. And now they have a show on Prime Video as well that is also based on the web show. And the idea of the Prime Video show is this animated show that includes their characters going on adventures. Um, so yeah, the long, that's a long way of saying I haven't checked it out, but I know a lot of people who are fans of it are really enjoying it. I, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely, gonna I'm going to check it out. It, I keep meaning to do it, but, uh, I'm going to get to it. All right, there we go. Uh, got a couple more here. This is from Nat Townsend, a guest of the show. Who are your favorite robots, cyborgs, or AI characters from comics? Ooh, Wally. Um, from comics yeah yeah great i'm gonna say warlock i guess oh that's good yeah self-friend of cypher robots on brand or or um epicac from kurt vonnegut's short story epicac we're all doing the right thing here right we're doing doing (laughs) also i'll tell you what i mean cyborg from team titans Sure, not a robot. The animated, okay. the animated. Uh, he is a cyborg, so yeah. yeah. Uh, you're a zero for two, but go ahead, Pete. <laughs> uh, the, I would say I always actually really liked Ultron as a villain in the comics. I thought yeah, like you would. Well, I uh, he didn't work quite as well on screen, obviously, or in What If, or anything like that. But I think like. There is something that's pretty terrifying about a how tied he is to Hank Pym and the Wasp in particular, yeah, and also Vision, and also the fact that like he just coming keeps coming back. There's no beating him, no matter what. You destroy him, and then he's like, "Oop, I've upgraded. Now I'm even harder to beat this time." Yeah. I'm in a toaster, so it's, or something. Yeah, exactly. I'm a toaster now. I'm a blender now. I'm like a microwave. All the stuff we use for breakfast, if we have toast in like some sort of milkshake. Exactly. And we got one last one here. This is from Straight Bullet. I was looking. It's another Doctor Strange question. I was looking at the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness poster, and after scrolling through hundreds of tweets about who may or may not be hinted to, maybe might be in the poster and therefore in the movie, is it too much? Is the conjecture and guessing and conspiracies around MCU movies getting to the point where it's becoming buzzkill? I feel so turned around by all of this. I think I saw Pete in the tiny flying shard in the upper left-hand corner of the poster. <laughs> I'm in it! Well, yeah, congratulations on the cameo. Uh, what do you Pete's guys think about that? Regu- Are we... Pete's playing uh, right-sized Wolverine, I believe, right? Yeah. <laughs> Are we... Are we at a point? Are we a critical mass with the MTU movies where it's just too much specul- speculating about it? What's your guys' take? I think... I, I mean, I, I don't dive too deeply in the speculation because um, it is too much. But I will say, I think they are doing a great job of the specificity of their sort of targeted imagery that allows so many people to speculate. I mean, the goal of the trailer is to 
gin up as much speculation as possible. And they do a great job of that. And that is exciting. Um, we'll talk about it in the uh, our our trailer breakdown, but the Patrick Stewart of it all is like an ingenious like arrow into the the hole in our armor of like what we would talk about. It's another it's a Mephisto situation all over again. Oh my god! I mean that just blew my mind. But I think it is one of those things where, yes, it's great to get people excited about something. But if it sends people down this hole of like, oh my God, I got to know this. What is, you know what I mean? I'm worried about Stray Bullies because he's got a family. He's got a job. Like, does he have enough time to go down these rabbit holes of like looking at thousands and thousands of, of posters? You know what I mean? Like, it's important. So I'd say yes. You know, if his, <laughs> if his children love him, they will find their own food. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like that's the big thing. And that's what I tell my kids. Daddy can't feed you right now. Daddy has to look at this Dr. Strange poster. Daddy Daddy Googling zombie, Dr. Zombie Stephen Strange. (laughs) I do think this is endemic of being too online. And I say that not with derision because I am also too online, but yeah, you're too online, extremely online. You should unplug a little bit. I definitely should. I should get outside. I haven't been outside in weeks at this point. I think the, this is something that like I was thinking about specifically with this trailer of, of course people are piecing apart. Of course people are being like, here's 26 Easter eggs about the Dr. Strange trailer and all these things. But frankly, the majority of the viewing audience doesn't know and doesn't care. I'll say a spoiler from Spider-Man No Way Home right now, but the majority of viewing audience had no idea that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were in that because they're not online. They don't care. They're like, oh, new Spider-Man movie. Great. I'm going to go check it out. And this is something like not to go too far afield of it, but this is something from being so involved in Riverdale stuff that I've noticed in particular, where there's a lot of Riverdale fans who are like, uh, don't they understand that this ship is dead and this ship is alive? And why aren't they tweeting about this ship? And why are the, why is the official town tweeting this thing? And specifically like I'll look at Facebook in particular and we'll have responses to our stuff that we post on our Facebook page, specifically Riverdale. They'll be like, oh, is that still on? And it, it's just <laughs> the majority of people have no idea what's going on. And that's OK. I'm again not saying that with the derision, but I think it's the same thing with MCU stuff where if you are into it, you are super into it. And yes, it is too much because we have all made it too much. But for the that's. Like the 10%. You're saying it's our fault? Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm saying that's like, that's the 10%. That's the 15% of like these super devoted hardcore fans. And then the majority of people are like more casual fans that are like, oh, what's going on? There's a new Doctor Strange movie. That's cool. I saw that in the Super Bowl. I'll check that out in theaters. And that's the level of interaction. And that's okay. Who are those people? And it, well, there's a lot of those people. And it's a miracle. That's why Marvel is so, and Disney are so dominant. Because they are able to drag all of those people into their stories and to see these movies and partake in these TV shows. That is so hard to do. It is the cultural touchstone that we all that we all agree that we're all going to go see. Spider-Man No Way Home is the movie, the only movie that really crushed in the last two years. So it's like they're, they're doing a magic trick that even the Multiverse of Madness uh, isn't able to pull off. 
Well, yeah, and I think that's the thing that we'll have to see with these movies. Spider-Man No Way Home did an incredible job of working as a movie, even though it was bringing in all of these elements. If Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, or I think on a similar tact, if the Flash movie ends up being like a parade of cameos, then more is going to feel like this crass commercial thing like Space Jab 2, which people watched, hey. mind you. Hey. No, but it is. But like Take Space Jab 2. T- oh, I'm sorry. You love Space Jab 2. I apologize. I thought it was good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucking fuck you, man. Uh, I'm oh, wait, sorry. No. There's there's Pete's bad take. We got it. We got it in the same episode. <laughs> there we go. Space Jab 2 is this generation Star Wars. I did not it's, say it's that. It's got potential to say Space Jam 2 is just this generation Space Jam 1. And see, that's the <laughs> hill you're going to die on. Well, anyway, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, more on this podcast. But why don't we move on to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete. To Natthausen, who's going to do... Oh, oh, sorry, oh, that's for next week. Yeah. And we don't have a contestant tonight, Pete. So if somebody oh, we wants need to... a first-hand up person. Yeah, if somebody wants to say, oh, we got a hand up from Pablo. Pablo. Ooh, we got uh, Michael Bramwell. Pablo, I know you said it first. Who do you want to choose, Pete? Pablo who's done it before, or Michael Bramwell, who has not done it before. All right, we got to go with Michael. Pablo, you got to respect Pablo will get you next time. Michael wants to do it in the chat. Michael's going to do Oh, Michael has done it before. (laughs) Well, Michael, you just knocked yourself out. (laughs) Now we're back to Pablo. Oh, we're back to Pablo. Who are you choosing, Pete? It's your ultimate call. Ah, go Pablo. Gotta go Pablo. Oh, man. Uh, All right, Michael, we'll do. We'll get you next time. We're bringing in Pablo here. <laughs> what what a flurry of emotions for everybody yeah. that this went up tonight. Trivia. Absolutely. Putting Pete on the hot seat. <laughs> unsubscribe. Uh, Michael unsubscribe. says unsubscribe. LOL, JK. Thank you, Michael, for not subscribing. We appreciate it. Uh, Pete, right, I'm very not. excited to find yeah. out what dead celebrity you're paying tribute to today. All right. so many that have died over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, it's a lot to keep up with. I really uh, put myself in a hole with this and uh, mm-hmm. slowly. Well, can you do up. any crossover stuff with like celebrities that have died that have been in projects together? They have that IMDb search thing where you can look up collaborations. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to the show. Welcome. Nice to see thanks you. Us. And thanks again for the Hershey bar you sent me today. Hey, no problem. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Here we go. Today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend Meatloaf. Rest in peace. Oh, wow. Good with noted anti-vaxxer Meatloaf. All right, go ahead, Pete. Oh, jeez. You know what the anti-vaxxer Oh, man. Oh, jeez. Do your research, folks. All right, please listen to all three. Now your own research. Now your own research. uh, Before making your selection, question number one, Pablo. In in the May mashup in Marvel, who will be coming the new Hulk? Is it A Miles Morales, B Ghost Rider, or is it C Lee Turgenson? So it's either A Miles Morales or it's B Ghost Rider. Pretty cool Ghost Rider Hulk, but probably not. I'll see A. A is correct. Miles Morales, buckle up for May. Here we go. Question number two. In Batman Fortress, Batman fends off blank. Is it 
A, breakdancing Nazis, B, what? aliens, or is it C, Chris Farley? So it's either A, don't pick it, or it's B, because that makes <laughs> sense. Definitely won't pick that, because it's B. That is right. Batman Fortress fending off aliens. Here we go. Last one, Pablo. Marvel Eternals book has changed its name. That's right. It's a name change alert. What Whoa. is the original name of the book Eternals? Blank. Is it A, Eternals the Undying? B, Eternals the Sometimes Tired but Definitely Not Dead Yet? <laughs> or is it C, Laura Flynn Boyle? So it's either A, if you would like $25, or you can pick something else. I'm going to pick A. A is correct. $25. Wow. wow. Congratulations, Pablo. And can you figure out the secret movie that Kevin has already guessed in the comments? You can just read it from there. Uh, it is Wayne's World, yes. That's right. The 1992 hit. Amazing. Pablo. Congratulations, you are getting a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. Always good seeing you. Thank you. Uh, thanks for popping on. And Michael, we will get you next week. Don't worry about it. Yes, we will. Now, as we all know, tomorrow is New Comic Book Day, unless you're DC Comics, in which case they are out right now. But what are you guys looking forward to? Pete, what are you looking forward to that's coming out this week? Oh, I tell you, I'm looking forward to Iron Fist number one coming out this week. Mm. Hmm. Great. Okay. <laughs> Justin, what about you? 15 years, still not expecting Pete not to give any elaboration whatsoever. Okay. <laughs> it's getting to the point where eventually he's not going to even say the number. He's just going to say, looking forward uh, or to just iron. Like, looking forward probably. to iron, other word. Uh, looking forward to comics. <laughs> Who's got the time? I mean, I'm psyched for Homesick Pilots number 12. A comic oh, a I have been loving for a long time, uh, but I want to quickly shout out Rain Number Two, which we talked about. Oh. fantastic book! Um, and so good. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of great books this week. It really uh, is. It is a really good week. Two that I want to shout out in particular: Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, Number Eight from DC yes. Comics. That is a phenomenal book. I can't wait to see how it wraps up with this final issue, and also. What's the furthest place from here? Number oh, four. Yeah, come on. By Matthew Rosenberg and Tyler Boss. So fun, so unique. Bergy. Love reading it every issue because I don't know what to expect. Those are all going to be in our stack podcast that rolls out 9 a.m. on Wednesday in the comic book club feed and its own dedicated stack feed. And folks, that is it for this week's show couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Chris Ryle and David Boer for being here. Check out Rain. As we mentioned, issue one is on stance. Issue number two is on stance tomorrow from Image Comics. Also, Nat Towson, don't you forget to check out Botnik Studios. They got a bunch of do it. wonderful stuff up there. And uh, hopefully Nat will post the list of made-up X-Men, AI-generated X-Men, in our Patreon Slack. So if you're on the Patreon Slack, check that out. Next week, we have a packed show for you. Zachary Maroy is going to be here to talk about Sonderon. Also, Cherish Chen is going to be here to talk about Radiant Red, the new spinoff from Radiant Black. And most excitingly for Pete, Tim Seeley is going to be on the show. Uh, Tim Seeley. Yeah. 
to talk about Robbins, among many, many other things that he is going on. So it would be great to see him again. A couple of things to plug. Patreon.com slash Comic Book Club to support the show and all the shows we do. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow. Don't forget to leave us a comic book review request in the iTunes reviews at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Good night, everybody. Take care of yourself. Keep track of your luggage. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.